And so when I was in quarantine back at home, that was something I saw online and reading through like Twitter and Instagram. That's where my, the most of the stress came from about like my Asian identity. But then coming to Penn State, and again, I've been really fortunate to surround myself with people at Penn State where that situation wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. But coming to Penn State where it's the middle of Pennsylvania, there's a little bit more diversity, if you will, of political beliefs. Mm-hmm. And we hear people and professors throwing around the term like China virus and the Chinese did this. It's different. You, you get a new perspective mm-hmm of what people's like perspectives are i mean not that penn state's like a big like racist campus it's not it's just you get like a different demographic if you will than the suburbs of philly in the middle of pennsylvania hey and welcome to i'm adopted now what a podcast where we talk about all things race culture and identity one chat at a time. This is for people who want to get real, get deep, and figure out, now what? I'm your host, Liza. Welcome to the podcast. On this episode, I chat with Grace. She's a college student at Penn State, as she'll explain in the episode, and we chat a lot about what it's like being adopted and being in college and how that experience is different than college kids' experiences who are not adopted. We also chat about having parents who try and incorporate Asian influence into our lives and how adoptions would be different if race really wasn't considered when adopting, if race wasn't a factor and how a shift to that perspective would change the way adoption is normalized in today's society. It was really awesome chatting with her. She has her own podcast called Made in China-ish, which is just a really cool podcast and an awesome resource for anyone, but especially if you're in college and that age, It's a really good podcast to listen to, so I highly recommend it. All right, here's the episode. Hey, Grace. Hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? Good, it's good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to have another Adoptee podcast. Yeah, that's so awesome. Before we get into, like, any of the, like, adoption stuff, how has your podcast been going? How did you kind of, like, what's the story behind it? Yeah, so I'm taking a little bit of a break right now, probably until my school's Thanksgiving Mm. break. But I started it during quarantine. I really wanted to make a podcast, but I wasn't sure, like, what to make it about. And one of the things that I always, like, talked about in any of my creative papers that I had to write for school or in any of, like, my, yeah, creative writing essays or my speeches that I had to give for one of my classes, it was always about like Asian American identity and like my experience with that. So I thought that'd be a really interesting topic to Mm -hmm. talk about. And so I started that and I just, it led me into like a rabbit hole, like a good rabbit hole of all these different adoptee like Instagrams and Facebook pages and people. And so I've met so many great people and it's been a lot of fun. I just had to take a break from my schoolwork, but I'm hoping to start. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's awesome. And so have you always known you were adopted like where are you adopted from yeah so I was adopted from Nanning which is in the Guangzhou Mm -hmm. province I was a little over a year old my gotcha day is July 
15th and my birthday is July 1st. So like literally just a few days mm-hmm. before one. I don't remember too much from it, but it's nice because obviously growing up, it's hard to hide the fact that you're adopted when you have white right. parents. So I always knew that I was adopted and I had a good support network when it came to like, I don't know, knowing that I was adopted because I also have another sister who's adopted from China. So I got to go back to China. And we oh got my there. gosh, that's so cool. It was really fun. Yeah, I was still like four, but I remember like bits and pieces. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, so and where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in the Philly area, like maybe like a stone throw away from actual Philadelphia. I live on like the street that divides the city. One of the main things that inspired me to make this podcast was my experience in college. Like I'm at Penn Mm -hmm. State right now and transitioning from an area where everyone knew me as like the Asian kid with the white Mm -hmm. parents and then going to Penn State where people just saw me as Asian and it's a very large white population as well. That's where I sort of had my like, I don't know, identity Mm -hmm. shift. And then over quarantine with the stereotypes that are happening against Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to detach yourself because people look at you and well, you, you sort of have that like association of whiteness. My sister calls it like being white, like once removed or something like Mm -hmm. that, where you can sort of, you're able to like detach yourself from being Asian but when like your community needs you when people are having violent acts against Asian Americans that happen in Philadelphia it's hard to sort of shy away from that Asian identity so I think that's where a lot of this stemmed Mm. from I I really relate to that Mm. yeah it's cool to hear that a lot of the people I've talked to are closer to your age and it's been really cool to hear how open and inspired everybody is it's inspiring to me that's for sure I'm a junior now Mm -hmm. But as a freshman, that was me. I was like, oh, am I doing this so that I stick with the white people enough and they don't associate me as being like an international student? And ah. I don't think that should have been a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But freshman year me was like, what can I do to check off all the boxes of people like knowing that I'm very associated with like white culture? Mm-hmm. So that was something that was important to me. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, I it's like so crazy to think that I was like stressed about that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like having an adopted sibling like has changed the experience of being adopt an adoptee for you at all? Just because I'm an only child and most of the people I've talked to are not and have siblings. And I think that's super cool. I always wish I'd had a sibling. So I, I always ask what, <laughs> what it's like. I think, yeah. So I have two little sisters. Oh. One's adopted from China and then the other one is biological to my parents. Mm-hmm. So I feel like me and my younger sister, the one who's adopted from China as well, we bonded a lot over quarantine. I don't think I ever, it was nice having her growing up to share that like identity of being adopted, but it wasn't something that really came to the forefront of our relationship Mm. until the time of quarantine. And until we were explaining to our parents how the violence against Asian Americans is affecting us and the injustices in our racial system are affecting us. Mm -hmm. And it felt like they didn't understand. So we sort of, we really bonded over that point. Mm, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's helped a lot over figuring out what my identity is because she's going, she's a junior in high school. So I've been telling her like, this is this might be what happens when you go to school. Mm-hmm. And I just want to keep you aware of that. And maybe it won't, but if it does, then I'm here for you to talk about that. Mm, that's great. Wow, that sounds so sweet and amazing. Yeah, I try. I mean, <laughs> we, we lead very different lives. Since I'm the oldest, I feel like I adapted a lot more to white culture than she has mm-hmm. not that she she just like has a different personality than me in general mm-hmm. but, um, 
<laughs> I think being the oldest also is like my parents wanted me to be involved in like everything that was like about their culture and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How, if at all, do you feel like the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, what's happening in politics is affecting your identity or your interpretation of your identity? And why do you feel that way? The Black Lives Matter movement has meant a lot to me. I think it's just been a word that's been thrown around, but growing up so close to like people that this is actually affecting, like the shooting that happened in West Philadelphia a few days ago was 13 minutes away from my house. Mm. And my family found out about it like over national news. And while there were riots happening like 10 minutes down the street, like my neighborhood was completely fine and unshaken. So that's that's something that I saw a lot about over black like the the heat, I guess, of Black Lives Matter in June was just how lucky I've been mm-hmm. to have grown up in such a nice area. And I think being a minority, I know I'm not Black or African-American, but being a minority, it's interesting to see my parents' perspectives. Not that they're like, oh, like we don't support Black Lives Matter. They do. It's just they come at it from a different perspective than I guess my sister and I do mm-hmm. when you are a minority in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you felt like you've experienced racism in terms of you know the coronavirus at all i think that's definitely something that i'm concerned about i've been really fortunate to grow up in an area where that wouldn't happen to me Mm -hmm. i'm a very progressive area my parents they're definitely not like oh the asians started it was all china and so in when i was in quarantine back at home that that was something i saw online and reading through like twitter and instagram that was really that's where my the most of the stress came from about like my Asian identity. Mm. But then coming to Penn State, and again, I've been really fortunate to surround myself with people at Penn State where that situation wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. But coming to Penn State, where it's the middle of Pennsylvania, there's a little bit more diversity, if you will, of political beliefs. Mm-hmm. And we hear people and professors throwing around the term like China virus and the Chinese did this. It's it's different. It's you you get a new perspective mm. of what people's like perspectives are on wow. situations like yeah. this. Huh. Yeah. I mean, mm. not that Penn State's like a big like racist campus. It's not. It's just you get a very like a different demographic, if you will, than the suburbs of Philly in the middle of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. For today's would-be sponsor, I am going to talk about a company called Slip Silk. They're renowned for their silk pillowcases. All their products are silk. They also make hair products like hair ties, scrunchies. They also have sleep masks. And they also now make face masks in COVID. If you don't know already, silk can change the game in terms of your hair and your skin. For those who sleep on silk pillowcases, yes, I know that sounds very hoity-toity and fancy, but bear with me. There are proven laboratory studies that show that sleeping on silk instead of cotton or a different, you know, fiber blend, not only does it have anti-aging properties, they've actually been shown to absorb significantly less face cream and lotion, and so they help keep your skin's moisture 
in your skin instead of transferring onto the pillowcase. And, you know, if you spend all this time putting on your different night creams and serums, you want that being absorbed into your skin to help with anti-aging or hydration instead of being absorbed by your pillowcase. They're anti-sleep crease. So, you know, everyone's woken up with those like lines on their face from their pillowcases. And that's because as skin ages, it loses elasticity and then sleep creases can become more pronounced and last longer. When you sleep with a silk pillowcase, it's been shown to reduce friction by as much as 40%, which allows the skin to just kind of glide on the pillow and then you can avoid those sleep creases. It also is really great for hair. People, if you suffer from brittle hair or easy breakage, if you apply heat to your hair a lot, or if you've dyed your hair a lot and you're having trouble building up strength in your hair, then silk pillowcases will really help you. Ordinary pillowcases, ones that are made of cotton, as I said, or different fibers, can pull and tangle your hair throughout the night. Silk pillowcases have shown to reduce friction, as I said before, and therefore they don't snag your hair and they don't cause tangles. So you have less breakage and you're able to build the strength of your hair better. I literally, as I said, just got my face masks, my silk face masks in the mail from Slip Silk. And already I can tell a difference and I've only worn them for like two days. They come with like a built-in nose, like metal nose shaper, but they also come with extra of those little metal strips. And there's a nice little pocket where you can take them out and put them back in so that when you wash them, you don't lose them or damage the metal. The masks also come with adjustable ear holders. Basically, they're like the elastic that fits around your ears. It comes with an adjustable silicon little bead that they also send you extras in case you lose them. So you can really customize the face mask to fit the exact size of your specific face. I have seen a lot of face masks where the stitching also goes up and down instead of side to side. And I like that idea because, you know, for over your nose and your mouth, that's, I think, a better way in terms of breathing, but I don't think it looks as good. And the awesome thing about slip silk face masks is there are two layers. So already that's better than a lot of the other fabric masks I've used that are only one layer. So they're two layer. The outer layer is, as I said, the side to side stitching, but the inner layer is the vertical stitching. So the layer that is on your face is the better and more ergonomic orientation in terms of breathing. But then the outer layer is better in terms of having stitching that goes from side to side which I think just looks better and it's more complimentary to people's faces. So it's the best of all worlds combined on top of the fact that it's much better for your skin in terms of maskne, like I talked about in my ad spot in last week's episode. Maskne, it's probably something that a lot of us are dealing with right now and silk holds onto bacteria a lot less 
It's much smoother on the skin, so it helps reduce and fight maskne really well. If you are unfamiliar with the benefits of silk products, then I highly recommend you trying one of Slip Silk's products, and I'm sure you'll be converted into a silk user. They just have so many benefits, and you can tell the differences they make right away. Slip Silk is the company that I am familiar with and I use, but it doesn't have to be that specifically. It's really just silk as the material. I just like Slip Silk because the quality of their products is amazing. So definitely go check them out. All right, that's definitely a lot of talk about silk. Let's get back to the episode. Okay. How do you, oh, well, I guess speaking of being at college and at Penn State, how do you explain your identity to other people? So at first, I would explicitly say like, oh my gosh, like I'm adopted. Like that was me, like freshman year in my little freshman dorm trying to like (laughs) explicitly tell people like, I'm adopted. It's cool. Like I'm so white. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I feel like people would have accepted me anyway, but I was Asian. (laughs) That's just so sad to think about that. Like they wouldn't like me because I was like, had parents that were Asian or international. Yeah, totally. I think one of the things that helped a lot was that my freshman year roommate was also adopted from China. So wow. we sort of went through that. Yeah, we went through that identity like game together and we both struggled a lot and we would be able to talk to each other about it, which was nice. And I think I talked to her recently and we're both in like much better places than we were when we were freshmen. Mm. And now I just like, it's not something that I explicitly say. I think people figure it out on their own that I'm adopted. Mm -hmm. But once I like become friends with them or if it's just something that comes up in conversation, I'll be like, hey, yeah, like I'm adopted. Or it's never like something that has to be like dropped, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm adopted. It's just something that naturally comes up, Mm -hmm. which is nice. And it's not something that I'm like, not afraid of, for lack of a better term, yeah. concerned about letting people know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so, you know, that's so beautiful. That's amazing. How do you answer when people ask you, you know, mostly people that don't know you, I guess, or are meeting you for the first time, where are you from? How do you, how do you handle that question? I know it's so funny that I like get that reaction every single time I ask. And I just like laugh in my head because it just speaks to how like ubiquitous this scenario is in our lives like yeah it's crazy and where are you from no where are you from right like, exactly I'm from... it's like it's funny they'll be like i'll be like i'm from philadelphia and they say they're like oh no where are you really from like well if you really want to know that much then i'm outside philadelphia mm-hmm. <laughs> but i guess it depends who i'm talking to yeah. sometimes they'll be like oh i'm adopted from china but i've like grown up in the suburbs of philadelphia pretty much like my whole life mm-hmm. and yeah, that's mostly what I say. People ask if I'm adopted. Mm-hmm. I feel like at first people shy away. They get sort of awkward about adoption because it just really depends on the adoptee, how comfortable they are about that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the worst thing that you can ask is, so like, where are you from? <laughs> I felt like I needed to reassure people. And I guess now looking at it retrospectively, like myself, mm-hmm. what I guess my identity was like, mm-hmm. I'm Asian American. There's no doubt about that. But when it comes to my heritage and it comes to like growing up and any culture that I had, I'm pretty white. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I would, I'd say that a lot when I was a freshman because I think at Penn state, at least one of the big things, like there's a lot of diversity at Penn state, mm-hmm. but all of the different 
diversity groups like hang out together so there's not a lot of cross-cultural integration or interaction mm. in my opinion at least mm -hmm. so I felt like coming to Penn State I had to choose if I was going to be Asian or oh. if I was going to be white identifying oh, so wow. I think for me saying like oh but I'm adopted from China sort of had no I don't want to say all the Asian American groups but all the, a lot of the Asian American groups I just felt like they didn't belong there once I said that right and so I, that sort of helped me gravitate towards I'm in club cross country and I'm in a lot of other organizations that aren't necessarily like racially oriented so it helped me mm -hmm. I guess mostly for myself like gravitate and find some comfort in a big school right yes no exactly like I remember when I went to Boston University, everyone would ask me, like, why are you going there? And I would say, because it's so big that I can, like, walk out my door and nobody's going to know who I am. And, exactly. like, I can just disappear and do my thing and no one's going to bother me. And I can just be, like, whatever. And everyone will just leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Like, comfort in that anonymity, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think going off of that, like my favorite question that I've asked people is how do you feel like adoption is normalized today, if at all? And what is that what what does that as a concept even mean to you? And if you feel like it's not, then in what would in your perfect world, what would normalized adoption look like? I think it's so complicated and I hate that answer because it depends on like the type of adoption and where, where the child is from and how old they are. But I think in terms of international adoption, I just want the racial aspect to not be a factor when it comes to adopting a child. Because I just remember I was talking to someone at school and this person is also adopted, but they're adopted from Russia. So they're not necessarily, they're, they're white. And mm -hmm. so their parents never really had to have that like racial talk with them. And she was like, yeah, my parents adopted from Russia. So they wouldn't have to worry about the whole race thing. And I was like, I just, I feel like race shouldn't be a factor when you're looking at this kid that you're going to raise mm -hmm. and love as your own. And I think I also want to bring up the Amy Coney Barrett thing mm -hmm. and how she has two adopted kids mm -hmm. and that's great. But I don't think that having an adopted child should make you like the most woke person in the world because at the end of the day, people should adopt not just for like a savior complex because but because they genuinely want to help this child and raise this child as their own. Yes. Because so many people have been like, she's not racist. She has two kids that she adopted. I'm like, that that doesn't make you not racist. I know there's plenty of people in the subtle Asian adoptee traits who are dealing with racist parents that just don't understand where this the culture of this child and I think that if you do adopt internationally that you should really embrace that culture of your child as well and not just have it be like oh look at me I adopted from a country that needed help sorry that was my tangent I was like telling my roommates about that the other day about like the whole Amy Coney Barrett thing and how people think that she's not racist because she has adopted kids but there's so many other ways to look at adoption yes other than this like perfect thing to do no I totally I mean I totally I'm with you there, girl. I I got nothing. I feel like you said it, but like I can't say it better than that. I absolutely 100% agree with you. I'm I know not all adoptees are like this, and I definitely respect those who aren't. But I'm very open about talking about my adoption. I mean, obviously, I have a whole podcast about it, and so do you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just being respectful about like asking your questions because it's not something that a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, I really yeah. I talking to you. Yes, it's just same. Like, 
so many passionate things that I'm really excited to talk to people about because I know they're just as passionate about it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Grace. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. I'm really excited to talk with you more. That is a wrap on my conversation with Grace. I hope you all found it interesting and informative, especially if you're in college or about to be in college, or even if you're the parent of a college student or a soon-to-be college student. I think it's really important to understand what that time in life can do in terms of the impact it has on identity and self-development and growth. It's really a critical time. And the more you understand yourself or the more you understand your child or someone you know who is in that phase of their life, then the better you can either support them or you know, really support yourself in the development that you're going through in this time period. So it was really cool to talk with Grace. She's got such a good handle on it and she's so aware. I love, I love knowing that there are resources out there like her podcast, Made in China-ish, which you should definitely check out. And also people like her who are in college out there that are you know, making moves to to really address important issues that come up when you're in college. So thanks so much to Grace for opening up and sharing her story and for having me on as a guest as well. Uh, I guest interviewed on her podcast. So, you know, if you like my podcast, you should definitely go listen to hers. I will have information and the link to my specific episode with her, you know, below the corresponding post for this episode, as long as the episode is ready and it's out, because I know that getting episodes out can be quite a challenge sometimes. And so if it's, if that is available information, I will certainly put it in the caption. Now, my question for this week's episode follows the theme of being in college And it is, if you could give one piece of advice about being in college and being in that time of your life to either yourself back when you were in college or to someone else that you know who is in college, what would that advice be? Check out the podcast's Instagram page for the post related to this question where you should leave your advice in the comments below. Thanks for listening to this episode of I'm Adopted, Now What? Hosted by me, Liza. If you liked what you heard, then please be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Leave a good review and share this episode with a friend. If there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on a later episode, DM me and tell me all about it. You can do that and find this podcast on Instagram and Facebook at imadopted.podcast. See you there.